This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, February 10th, 2023 on your public radio station, 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Later this hour, the nominees for the 2023 Arkansas Food Hall of Fame class. With me right now on the phone from his Fort Smith office is someone who I think should be in the commentator Hall of Fame, Michael Tilley. I don't know. The Food Hall of Fame sounds a lot lot better. I, that, that's, um, I haven't had lunch yet, so that's kind of making me hungry just thinking about thinking about that list. What? You know, they, they have an event to, to announce who's going to go in the Hall of Fame. It happens in Little Rock, and it's catered. Don't you think that's a high-pressure job to cater the announcement for who's in the Arkansas Food Hall of Fame? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah that would be you're, – <laughs> you're right in the middle of folks who are going to know whether <laughs> – Right how old that chicken is or whatever you know yeah exactly well let's let's start off with some updates first of all we know that this pilot training center has been you know fort smith is a finalist for this uh depending on who you talk to it's it's fort smith's to lose what's what's what happened this week to tell us that fort smith is still very much in the running well the they have been working, the Air Force uh, has been working to pull together uh, an environmental impact statement. Everything they do now, every time they move a base or make significant changes, there, ha- there has to be such an impact statement. And uh, there was some, concern is not the right word, but, you know, with each process, with each step along the way, you know, there could be a surprise, who knows, but Fortunately, this uh, environmental impact statement that came out in late January kept Fort Smith at the top of the list. Um, an air guard base in Selfridge, uh, Michigan, is the alternative site. Um, but it, again, they the, the statement came out. It kept Fort Smith, uh, Ebbing Air Guard Base in Fort Smith, uh, which is home to the 188th Wing. It kept it as the preferred alternative. And so um, what happens now, Kyle, is there's a 30-day window on this statement. It, gets, it sits out there for 30 days. Um, and then when that's up, um, I've been told that the Air Force could have a decision the next day or it could take weeks or it could take a few more, fun, uh, a few more months. And what everyone's waiting on is called the record of decision or the ROD. Um, and so that – that has to happen. Nobody, nothing can happen. Well, almost nothing, and we'll get to that. But nothing can happen on the military side until that record of decisions is made. Once that's made, then it sets in motion a whole flurry of activities from new buildings uh, at Fort Smith, um, changes in, um, or setting up changes in how. Um, uh, not changes, that's not the right word. The pro- begins the process for moving those jets, both the F-16s and the F-35, um, to Fort Smith. And again, this is part of the foreign military sales program. Um, the initial uh, pilots coming here will are from Singapore um, because they are purchasing some of these advanced F-35 fighter planes. So that would bring them here. In this environmental statement, they suggested about 384 more military personnel um, to Ebbing Air Guard Base. Uh, the last number we had was there about 
a thousand members tied to the base, about 660 of those being full-time. Also, according to the Air Force, uh, 800 what are called associated dependents could um, move to the Fort Smith area. So that's that, that's quite a bit. So uh, the good news is Fort Smith is still top of the list for this um, foreign military pilot training center. So theoretically, this sits out there for 30 days, no problems. Theoretically, that's the last sort of application form process, whatever you want to call it, before the announcement could be made formal. Theoretically. Yeah, as far as I know, yeah, as far as I know, I've asked about anything that Congress could do. I know that the two senators from Michigan had um, asked for more info. They weren't, obviously, they weren't happy about the decision. But as far as I know, that is it in terms of the Air Force process. Um, the, one, the one other thing I guess I might say on this is that the mantra, the conventional wisdom or the common statement from both state and local officials is this is going to be a $1 billion economic impact on the Fort Smith area. Well, I've been trying to track down this $1 billion documentation for going on a couple of years now, ever since they announced it. And Kyle, it's kind of like looking for Hoffa. I, I can't find it. Um, I, I know it, look, it's going to be a big benefit. I'm not trying to downplay it, but I wish state and local officials would either provide proof of this $1 billion economic impact or pipe down about it and give us some real numbers. But um, look, I'm happy it's coming. Let's just kind of be honest about what it means on an economic impact. If you want to know the effects of inflation, you can look at the cost of a dozen eggs, or you can plan to expand your hospital. <laughs> Mercy is in the process of expanding, and inflation has as you might imagine, done a little bit of a number on the costs. This is a project that was announced last year. It was a uh, $162 to $164 million project. Um, Tina Dale, a reporter on Talk Business, uh, tracked them down to see kind of where they were in the process. And they're still on track, even through the bad weather we've had in the winter. But the uh, the cost of that uh, has, has uh, kind of has ballooned up to $186 million. And that's not a that's really um, not a surprise considering inflation, um, with you know steel costs, labor costs, everything's up. I got to tell you frankly, I was um, that's about a twenty two million dollar increase. Um, that's they had suggested that there would be some inflation. That's more than I thought. So um, that's a big hit. But they're on track, um, and this is going to be. Uh, Obviously, when you're talking almost $200 million, it's a, for me to say it's a big expansion seems somewhat um, silly, but it, it's, it, it's big. Um, 29 to 50 more um, emergency rooms, uh, 36 to 60, 38 to 64, depending on how they can format it, intensive care units will allow them to treat 25,000 more patients a year. Um, they, the hospital officials tell us that once it's completed – which will be sometime in early 2025, um, that they'll add uh, 100 and, around 168 new jobs over a three-year period. Obviously, if you're treating 25,000 more patients, you're going to need more folks to do that. Um, so um, not only is having a good economic impact on the area during construction, but um, ideally uh, bringing on those new jobs, new healthcare jobs, 
uh, will also do that um, for for Smith Metro. I'm sure it won't be a billion-dollar economic impact, but it'll be important. <laughs> well, you talked about new buildings if the training the pilot training center comes. We're talking about $200 million expansion at Mercy, and this leads into how the building permits in the Fort Smith Metro continue to, to pump along. Yeah, they just continue to go. You know, they ended uh, 2022 with a record number, $480.3 million permits. The year prior wasn't even over $300 million. So a big jump. Um, and in, Jan- in, yeah, in January, the permit values for Fort Smith, Greenwood, and, Van- and Van Buren uh, we're up 67, a little over 67%. Now, again, here we're back to Mercy. The big reason for that jump is there is almost a $32 million permit pool for ongoing construction there. So that is going to continue, you know, to kind of uh, boost those permit numbers. In fact, we may end up in our future reporting, put somewhat of an asterisk on 2022 20, and 2023, maybe even 2024, just to let readers know that, you know, there was almost a 200 million. And I won't be surprised at the end of the Mercy project that the officials tell us it was over. It was at or around 200 million. So that's a, uh, I've been covering building activity for a long time. That is by far one of the largest projects to be permitted. But um, Van Buren permits, they, they were down a little over 8% Greenwood permits. Uh, we're up considerably, but the the big bulk of this increase in January, uh, and the total for those three cities was, was just a little over 51 million. So, 32 million of that was Mercy. So that gives you an idea of the increase. One thing I might add is that, sort um, of perspective, the permit values took a little dip in the Fort Smith Metro among those three cities in 2014, but ever since it's been on a tear. Uh, for example, the values in 2015, the combined were 200, just under 219 million. Like I said last year, they were just a little over 480 million. That's 100, almost 120 percent increase in that eight-year period. So um, the the hammers are hot in the area. All right, you can read about all of this and much more at talkbusiness.net. And here are the six words, Michael Tilly, we want to hear often this weekend. Mahomes to Kelsey for a touchdown. I, I hope it is often, yeah. I um, um, I just, as a Dallas Cowboys fan, I just cannot stomach the thought of the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. So, All right. All right, well, I will return the favor, you know, and root for your team when they are in the Super Bowl. How's that? There you go. I'll appreciate that. All right. Michael Tilly, thank you so much. Talk to you next Friday. The Alma Education and Arts Foundation presents Cross That River at the Skokas Performing Arts Center, February 25th at 7.30 p.m. Cross That River is based on real history in which black cowboys lived and helped settle the West and takes audiences on a musical journey into why black lives matter. Tickets at 479-632-2129 or skokuspac.org. KUAF is supported by Butterfield Trail Village, a premier Northwest Arkansas retirement community catering to active lifestyles and resident well-being. Offering a variety of activities and living options from apartments to village homes, plus outdoor spaces, including access to city trails. ButterfieldTrailVillage.org for more. 
This is Ozarks at Large. The Arkansas legislature passed several bills yesterday as the Arkansas General Assembly finishes its fifth week. A bill sponsored by Representative Julie Mayberry from Hensley passed after a hotly debated bill that would slightly change the way public school building construction is funded. Republican Representative Hope Duke from Gravit passed a bill which would add two members to the Alzheimer's Advisory Council. Speaker of the House Matthew Shepard said the legislature is saving many bills for next week. You know, I kind of feel like it's, it's uh, you get to the end of the week, especially now that we were meeting in the afternoon as opposed to the morning this week, just felt like it, uh, we, we took care of business, we got the House bills taken care of, we got the budget bills taken care of. Uh, thought it made a lot of sense to kind of save some of it for next week when everybody can come back fresh and relaxed and ready to hit the ground running. Republican Representative Aaron Pilkington from Knoxville passed a bill to make June 12th Women's Veterans Day, while another resolution recognized February as Black Veterans Month. Representative Mark Berry passed a bill to give food and health care to a canine dog retired from working for the state police. A bill loosening the restrictions on access to mental health services for minors in Arkansas gained approval from a state legislative committee yesterday. Members of the House Public Health, Welfare, and Labor Committee unanimously approved House Bill 1266. The bill sponsor, Republican Representative Brian Evans of Cabot, says it will allow minors aged 16 or older to consent to certain types of mental health treatment without their parents' approval. In general, what this bill will do will provide outpatient crisis intervention services for suicide prevention, chemical addiction or dependency, sexual, physical or emotional abuse of our teens beginning at the age of 16. By doing this, we are giving an opportunity for one of our very valuable and upcoming teens in one of the most crucial moments of their life to get help. Under the bill, minors would be entitled to six therapy sessions or 30 days of treatment, whichever occurs sooner, without their parents or legal guardians being notified. Parents who don't give consent for their children to be treated would not be found liable for the costs of treatment. If you or someone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide or self-harm, help is available from the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline by dialing 988. Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders is appointing Mike Rogers, the Senior Director of Maintenance and Refrigeration for Tyson Foods, as the state's first-ever Chief Workforce Officer. He'll oversee the newly announced Workforce Cabinet. The governor created the cabinet by executive order yesterday and says it will advise her on issues regarding workforce development and career education in Arkansas. This weekend on the KUAF Final Hour, we take a deep dive into country music and talk about the Cosmic Cowboy movement of the early 1970s. Cosmic Cowboy is a genre that was a shedding of the norms in the country scene. You had a real interesting transformative moment, I would say, for everyone in this period of time, the late 60s into the early 70s. There's self-discovery, there's exploration, both spiritually and mentally, and it affected the country scene. And you had hippies and rednecks milling around together, smoking joints, 
taking acid, skinny dipping, free loving it, and it just exploded into this kind of new expression of country. That's this Saturday at 5 on KUAF. The Arkansas Food Hall of Fame will announce the 2023 class early next month. A dozen restaurants from around the state are nominated for the one spot reserved for eateries, including Hugo's in Fayetteville, DeVito's Restaurant in Harrison, Skyline Cafe in Mina, and the Ozark Cafe in Jasper. There will also be awards for Proprietor of the Year, a food-themed event, and a special award, gone but not forgotten, for a restaurant no longer in business. This week, we called David Ware, state historian and director of State Archives for Arkansas and a member of the Arkansas Food Hall of Fame Committee, to ask about the awards and the restaurants nominated. You have everything from the Ohio Club down in Hot Springs, which is pretty swanky dining, um, down to a couple of dairy bars, the, the Daisy Queen up in Marshall and then the Cream Castle in Blyville, um, which, you know, they're, those, those are fine eating, but I wouldn't call them swank joints. And in between, you have things like Betty's Old Fashioned in El Dorado, uh, the Bulldog, which is sort of a dairy bar, but it's also a community institution up at Bald Knob. Uh, and, of course, Hugo's in Fayetteville, which n- that's not a dairy bar. <laughs> no. There's a bar, though. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you mentioned sort of cornerstones. You look at these, and the ones that I have been to, and it's a fair amount, whether it is the mm-hmm. Bulldog in Bald Knob or Hugo's, uh, DeVito's and Harrison, uh, the Ozark mm-hmm. Cafe of Jasper. These are restaurants that have, or or dairy bars or whatever that have done something right because they've been there a while. Exactly. These are these are places that are are attracting their second generation in many cases of customers. Um, as you say, they've been around a while, so that shows they've done something right. Because it's easy to not stay in business in the restaurant business. There are also nominations for food-themed events, and these are annual events. Um, oh, Lord, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, the, the past winners in this category are very uh, familiar to folks who've lived in Arkansas for a while. I have heard of the Slovak Oyster Supper only because I know some people that go every year. And then, be, mm-hmm. and then swear to become vegetarians for the next three or four months afterward. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least at least um, ref- refrain from shellfish yes. for a while. <laughs> then, then there's a magnolia block. Well, you know, this this year, in fact, the Slovak oyster supper um, passed a, a new a, a new hurdle. Oh yes, it has been an entirely male event. However, our new governor showed up, and they served her. Uh, what, the first woman to go t- to eat at the Slovak Oyster Supper. What does it take to uh, gender integrate a festival? Elect a woman governor. <laughs> there you go. You're not going to say no. <laughs> no. <laughs> now, I, the Magnolia Blossom Festival and World Championship State Cook-Off, that's self-explanatory. But this one in mm-hmm. Union County, I guess it's probably around El Dorado, the Mayhaw Festival. What is the Mayhaw yes. Festival? Mayhaw Festival is centered around the the brief the brief season of the mayhaw, which is the fruit of the hawthorn, um, and for those those who like fruit jelly, uh, the mayhaw has a wonderful, distinctive but mild taste. It is my wife's favorite uh, jelly, and it is something of a point of pride down there. I've not been to this festival yet, 
but it's on my list. What's the representation of your personal experience, you know, versus the list of nominees? Have you been to most? Um, I have been to, of the, of the finalists, I've been to a good two-thirds of them, which uh, says something about tra- traveling around the state for over 20 years and looking for good places to eat. Um, I know a couple of the proprietors personally. I know some of the others by reputation. Um, and I have been here long enough so that um, I was familiar with most of the gone but not forgotten mm. nominees for this year. That is, restaurants that have shuffled off this mortal coil, but whose partisans wish they were still with us. Now, we're going to find out the winners not that far away, right? It's early March. Mm-hmm. This will be on the evening, actually, late afternoon of March 6th, down at the Ron Robinson Theater um, in downtown Little Rock. And apparently you can tune in via Facebook Live to watch from anywhere or join us in person. We should also point out every year there is um, like a food of the year. There is a food of the year, and it was my my pleasure and honor to give the oration praising the food of the year this year, which is the humble but wonderful pecan. So March 6th, we'll find out. You can go in person. You can also go online at arcfoodhof.com. And I tell you what, next time you're in Fayetteville, call me. I'll take you to Hugo's and treat you to a Derek special and some grasshopper crepes. How's that? Oh, 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 that... That just sounds that sounds too tempting, and I will take you up on it. All right. Hey, David Ware, thank you so much for your time. It's my pleasure. David Ware is state historian and director of State Archives for Arkansas and a member of the Arkansas Food Hall of Fame. We talked earlier this week. Speaking of restaurants, Fayetteville Restaurant Week is approaching. Starting February 19th, more than 30 restaurants in the city will be offering limited menu offerings and other special events. Meiji on Crossover will host a guest chef, Kian Lam Ko, author of the cookbook Phoenix Claws and Jade Trees. Before he was a chef, he was an aerospace engineer and software developer for Wall Street. So was I. That is not true. <laughs> that is not true. We'll hear more about all of that next week. When I talked with him yesterday afternoon, I asked him what it's like to be a guest or consulting chef in somebody else's kitchen. In fact, actually, I find it very, that... that part is very interesting because it's challenging. Um, you know, you go into somebody else's kitchen and they have many different ways of doing certain things. And what you're trying to tell them is that you're show- showing them this uh, slightly different, although it, it may, it's not going to be a big difference, but that there's a slightly difference on how to approach a particular dish or how to, uh, um, you know, um, create a different flavor, different flavor profiles. Um, and I find it challenging in a way that, you know, you have to make sure that what you're presenting to your client is also uh, your client's taste. And, you know, you have to blend between what you think of your own um, uh, uh, it, like uh, in flavor profiles is can be a little bit different than what your client or the restaurant's um, owner's um, idea of what it should be. And so that's that it's it's sort of how you adjust to it, how you make sure that, you know, in the end, it is a, a, a happy combination of um, the different um, uh, expectations from from the client or the restaurant owners and from me. So, so you know, I, I think that that's the interesting part is that you have, you have to adjust it that way. Um, and in, this, in addition to that, uh, also, you know, you want to make sure that the people who are there 
can reproduce that. That's so that so that's part of the consultation is that you have to train uh, the staff uh, who who is there can reproduce what that you had come up with in terms of the the flavoring, the taste, and so on of the final dish. Yeah. So those those are the two parts that I find it very interesting. And I imagine then there's a lot of conversation going on as the the dish is being prepared. Of absolutely, there's a constant uh, back and forth. Um, you know, I would uh, I would come up with the recipes and and you know I would I would uh, uh, test it in the kitchen, um, show, uh, show it to the staff how to reproduce this, um, and if it comes out a little differently, then we adjust. Uh, because you know, uh, every uh, like I say, everybody has their own taste, and and we and I do try to accommodate it uh, within a certain limitation that I feel is is important to make it, uh, you know, um, a, a dish that I think should uh, what it should be, whether it's being an authentic dish or or true to its original um, intent of that particular recipe. I do try to uh, direct it that way. I don't like the word authentic, by the way, because authentic is 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 fluid. Right. You know, it is something that that uh, it can be authentic to me, may not be authentic to the other person. The same dish, like you know, your grandmother's um, meatloaf is different than my grandmother's meatloaf, and and whose whose is it that's authentic? Nobody can tell, right? <laughs> right. Authentic is how my mom did it. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly it. So uh, so this is this is also the reason when I consult, I always try to adjust it to um, you know the uh, the, the clients. Um, uh, 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 taste and, and expectation. You'll be in Fayetteville while it's Fayetteville Restaurant Week, and I, I've, I can't imagine being a restaurateur because the margins can be thin. Um, people can be, you know, break habits and and stop coming, or be finicky, or think they know more than they do. It's you've got to have a passion to be in the restaurant business. I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Um, especially this last uh, what, three years, yeah. it's been a very, very difficult time for restaurant, restaurateurs. And, um, and I've worked with some, uh, uh, quite a few restaurant owners and, and it's been very difficult. And I salute all these restaurant owners who, uh, you know, uh, adapted to the situation, tried to come up with different ways of providing the service to to the people, like by doing takeout or providing delivery uh, or or even packaging the product to sell it uh, differently. So these are these are things that is like an, uh, for me, it is amazing how some of these uh, restaurant owners can adapt to, to the situation and continue to thrive. In fact, some of the people are even thrive during this, during these periods of time. And I think Meiji is a good example. And I love working with, um, you know, uh, the owners there. Uh, so, you know, I'm, uh, I'm really, I'm very, very honored to be invited to come out and work with them to come, uh, try to put together this event. Darwin is just an amazing uh, chef. And uh, so I, I really am thankful that you know, I can uh, participate in this particular event. Chef Keen Lamco is the author of the cookbook Phoenix Claws and Jade Trees. He will be a guest chef at Meiji during part of Fayetteville Restaurant Week from Sunday, February 19th through the 25th. We'll hear more from the chef on Ozarks at Large next week. On the latest episode of Undisciplined, we talk bail reform. 
The Constitution says it's, it's not right to hold you in custody just because of your poverty. So judges should consider the ability to pay. But what I'm telling you is they don't. Nobody looks at that question. Almost nobody does. Listen to Undisciplined for free wherever you get your podcasts. This is Ozarks at Large. Time to check in with Becca Martin-Brown, who is in Bella Vista. It is time to find out what we should do with our time. Becca, welcome back. Oh, Kyle, I have been remiss. Because? I have waited till today to start harping at people about Valentine's Day. Well, you've still got time. It's, you know, 72 hours or so. (laughs) But I can save you. First of all, tomorrow is the Chocolate Lovers Festival in Eureka Springs. I've been to that before, and it is quite something. It opens at 10 tomorrow morning, open until 3 o'clock, but they've added more kinds of vendors. Instead of just being able to fill your box with chocolate, they also have clothing vendors and jewelry vendors and other kinds of food, lemonade vendors. And so... You can not only go and get chocolate, you can go and buy your significant other a nice piece of jewelry. It happens this year at the Eureka Springs Community Center on King's Highway, and admission is $15, which comes with the chocolate. There's also, totally free, an exhibit at the Hawkins House at the Rogers Historical Museum on the etiquette of courtship. How it's changed over time or how it was? How it was, more about how back when the Hawkins House was a home at the turn of the 20th century, how one might have courted one's sweetheart. So that's a nice, sweet, romantic, free thing to do. They're open 10 to 4, Tuesday through Saturday, so you could do that tomorrow. There is a sweetheart dance at the Arkansas Air and Military Museum tomorrow night with big band music, dance lessons, and dinner. Dance lessons. There you go. Yes. $45 a couple. You can call them for more information or reservations. There is, at the Fayetteville Public Library on Valentine's Day the 14th, a day of celebrating International Typewriter Appreciation Month. Wait a second. Wait a second. Typewriter Appreciation Month. I love this. Yes. By crafting a Valentine or letter to a loved one on a vintage typewriter. Where did they get the vintage typewriters? I didn't ask. Okay. All right. But I want one. It's from 4.30 to 7.30 that day in the teen project room. It's for grades 5 to 12. First, you'll have to explain what a typewriter is. But I bet if you went and you made a really nice, oh, please face, they'd let you do it even if you weren't 5 to 12. There is at Crisis Brewing Company in Fayetteville, also on Valentine's Day, starting at 4 A Valentine's Day sucks party. Okay. There is a Valentine concert with Susan Shore and Michael Cockrum at 6 o'clock on Valentine's Day with drinks and hors d'oeuvres at Phoenix Arts on Mount Sequoia. And then Mellon Light Productions in Eureka Springs is doing a production called Silence in the Jungle. It's at 7 today and tomorrow and the 17th and 18th. And that's at the Mellon Light Ballroom at Two Pine Street, which is upstairs from Brews. So you could go to Brews and see the art exhibit and go upstairs for their Valentine's Day party. Tickets are 30 to $65 at MellonLight.com. And, and they specialize in dance. 
or there's a ton of theater. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about most of it. Moulin Rouge, the musical, is at the Walton Art Center. Kim conven- Kim's Convenience at Theater Squared has been extended through February 26th. And tonight marks opening night of Little Shop of Horrors at Arkansas Public Theater in Rogers. Showtime is 8 tonight and tomorrow night, 2 on Sunday, and again the next two weekends. And tickets for that start at $25. There's also theater at John Barron University in Silo Springs. They're doing Servant of Two Masters, which was written as Commedia dell'arte, mm-hmm. and they're doing it as a Western. Okay. I'm in. Why not? Right. 7.30 today and tomorrow, again at 7.30 to 16th and 17th, and 2 o'clock on the 18th. Tickets are $16 for non-students. There's a spatial production tonight at 7 o'clock at White Auditorium at Northwest Arkansas Community College in Rogers. It's a reading of a script by Miles Fish, who is one of their instructors, enhanced with music and photos. It's called Music and Other Arts of War. Fort Smith Little Theater is doing All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten, and I saw it Wednesday night at a dress rehearsal. And it is the sweetest thing you've ever seen. And it's vignettes, right? Yes. And it is just the sweetest thing you've ever seen. It's at 7.30 today and tomorrow, 2 o'clock. On Sunday, they have a special Valentine's Day performance on February 14th. And then it's also February 15th through 18th. And tickets for that are $12 except for Valentine's Day. And then on Saturday, it's Mardi Gras in Eureka Springs. They know how to the do it. The Crazo Night Parade is at 6. The Mardi Gras Blacklight Ball is at 7. And if you're in Springdale, there's Valentine's Day skating on the Isaac Jones Center Saturday night. Really, just look at the paper today and there's a whole list because you won't remember all this. Right, right. But you can get yourself out of anything that you have dug yourself into. Becca Martin-Brown always helps us out. We'll talk again next Friday. I think we should. Okay. Thank you, Becca. It's the Community Spotlight Week in Review. I'm Pete Hartman. On Tuesday night, Prairie Street Bar and Tap featured Natural State Roller Derby as the benefactor of their monthly trivia night event. NSRD will host its season opener this Saturday afternoon at the Jones Center in Springdale. Here's Amanda Biofus, president of the Natural State Roller Derby. We used to be Northwest Arkansas Roller Derby and Benton County Roller Derby. And in 2020, right before COVID, um, we joined forces and made one amazing league. So now we are Natural State Roller Derby. This Saturday is actually a double header. Okay. Natural State Roller Derby is taking on Rocktown Roller Derby. They're out of Little Rock. Um, and then there will be a mashup game immediately following, which is... Skaters from all over the states around us sign up to play, and we just divide them up in teams, and they have fun. Um, We will also have Peace at Home Family Shelter there, and we'll be taking donations for them, and they will also have a booth set up for people to talk to them and get more information about uh, what they do. Amanda Biofus of Natural State Roller Derby. Tomorrow's match begins at 2 o'clock at the Jones Center. Just $5 gets you in. And every Sunday night, NSRD offers Derby 101 for those who might want to get into the sport. For more, Natural State Roller Derby on Instagram.
We heard from Trailblazers again this past week. Trailblazers, the nonprofit that works in our region by advocating for active transportation for all. They recently took control of a program that had already existed. TAP, or Trail Adoption Program, first began by FAST, Friends of Arkansas Single Track. Here's Kiara Logan, Program Manager for TAP. So it's a trail adoption program um, for all the soft trails. It started in Bella Vista and then last year moved down to Slaughterpin and Rogers. Light maintenance. It's mainly just having eyes on the trail and some weed eating, some raking, and literally just kicking rocks off the trail. Person or a group uh, just kind of takes control of an area and they just upkeep it, right? Yep. They kind of develop a sense of ownership and pride, especially when people will post online, post pictures, and be like, oh, my God, this trail was so much fun. It's so beautiful. That person who is the adopter then gets a sense of pride from their section of the trail. We ended up switching over to the Trailblazers because we grew from roughly 200 to now we're sitting at 617. So it's not feasible for it to be a volunteer-led position anymore. So they hired me on and we are expanding down to Springdale where we're hoping to save Thunder Chicken and eventually maybe down to Fayetteville to work with OORC, which is the Ozark Off-Road Association. Kiara Logan with Trailblazers and the TAP program. For more, wearetrailblazers.org. Phoenix Arts in Fayetteville, a nonprofit artist collective supporting established, emerging, and the underrepresented artist community in Northwest Arkansas, has a new exhibit and an opportunity to view said exhibit. On Valentine's Day, Phoenix Arts will host their fundraiser in tune with food, drink, and music. Here's member Susan Eidlett. Our current exhibit, we're so glad um, to, to feature David Bachman. He's been around Fayetteville for a very long time, and he's showing in a retrospective of all his work since 1980. Um, and it's just a huge range, and it's just remarkable. So I hope you'll catch this exhibit. Very, very cool. Now, some of your stuff is up, right? Yeah. Okay. I, got a few, I got a couple of things, always. Yeah. Nice. You've got some music as well. We have the wonderful duo of Susan Shore and Michael Cochran, um, they've been entertaining audiences forever, and they do just a fun range of everything from traditional ballads to to contemporary to swing and then folk songs. Um, they're just incredibly talented. Prior to that, we have this wonderful uh, uh, smorgasbord mm-hmm. of really fancy desserts and, and hors d'oeuvres and wonderful drinks, and it's a great chance to be with your folks and see the great exhibit that's up right now. Susan Idlet with Phoenix Arts. You can see her artwork at SusanIdletArt.com. For more on the Valentine's Day In Tune event on Mount Sequoia, PhoenixArts.com. That's F-E-N-I-X Arts.com. And speaking of Valentine's Day, you can smooch a pooch during this evening's fundraising event for Big Paws of the Ozarks. Big Paws is a foster-based dog rescue organization prioritizing rescuing dogs from area shelters that are overcrowded. 
Here's Executive Director Kayla Mays. Yeah, and we're definitely seeing um, more of a demand for our services than ever before. Um, we're having to turn away dogs left and right. And so, you know, the way that we try to tackle that and be able to provide more services to our community is by increasing our foster base. And so um, that's always something we're looking for is new foster families. All right, tonight, smooches and pooches uh, taking place in Rogers. What's this going to be all about? Yeah, so we will be at Rogers at... Um, a rendezvous Junction oh. Brewing Company. Okay. They're a newer brewery in Rogers. They're dog friendly. And so we will be bringing, we've got about 10 adult dogs and about 10 puppies as well that are all adoptable um, to this event. We're doing a Valentine's theme. We'll have a kissing booth there that you can get your photos taken with our adoptable dogs or your own dogs. Um, we've got a professional photographer coming out. Three Dog Bakery is donating some Valentine's goodies. Um, it's really going to be a good time. So we're excited. You can find more information on our Facebook page, um, but we don't require any RSVPs or tickets. We'd love for you to just come by tonight at Rendezvous Junction Brewing Company from 5 to 8. And this is an adoption event. I mean, y'all are looking for folks to give these dogs homes. We sure are, and we can't save them without adopters. And so every time someone adopts from our rescue, we say it saves two lives, the one of the dog, and then it opens up room for us to take another dog in. And so, um, you know, we need adopters more than ever, and we've got some really amazing dogs. Kayla Mays with Big Paws of the Ozarks. Smooches with Pooches begins this evening at 5 in Rogers. Just search Big Paws on Facebook. You can hear these stories and so many more by going to KUAF.com and clicking on Community Spotlight just to the right. The Community Spotlight, offering the best of our communities each and every weekday morning at 631 and 831 a.m. And you know we'll have a number of our friends and neighbors with their stories next week. I'm Pete Hartman, and this is KUAF Public Radio, where your voice matters. This is Ozarks at Large. With me to talk about the new film, Sharper, is our favorite film reviewer, Courtney Lanning. Courtney, welcome back. Kyle, I'm your favorite. You've never called me that before. I I feel uh, upset that I haven't, but yes, don't tell Philip Martin, well, but you're my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody tells Philip Martin anything. He just does what he wants. There you go. Uh, I am excited. I'm always excited to talk to you, but I'm excited this week because we had a preliminary conversation earlier in the week, and you were a bit skeptical about the movie Sharper because you and I agreed that heist movies, we kind of like – the fact that the target is a bank or a casino or something like that and not necessarily people, you were skeptical about Sharper. Where did we land? You know, it's funny how things can change between burritos at Chipotle and (laughs) the next night reviewing a movie. Um, Admittedly, I talked some trash about this movie because I did not think the trailer looked very interesting. This is a, a story about two con artists, Sebastian Stan and Julian Moore, who try to scam a sick billionaire out of his his fortune. The billionaire is played by John Lithgow. So you have a really strong cast here. And I just the trailer just didn't look all that interesting to me. So, you know, I was telling my wife before the movie started, I was like, ah, I don't know. I just don't have a great feeling about this one. Uh, but despite the fact that the film starts off a little dull, um, about 10 to 15 minutes in, it really picks up oh. and it gets really good. So am I correct in calling this a heist movie? 
you know, I think the film is built as a psychological thriller. Um, I know I use the word heist. I guess it's there is technically a kind of heist underway with these con artists trying to scam this billionaire. Um, I guess it, it is a slow okay. start heist movie. It's, there's no Brad Pitt and George Clooney, if that's what you're looking for. <laughs> well, there is Sebastian Stan, who, of course, I was introduced uh, when he was playing Bucky in the Winter Soldier in the Captain America movies. Uh, how does he make it out of the superhero genre into the thriller? So, you know, here's the thing. The movie starts off a little dull, like I said. You know, when you at first glance, Sharper looks like this standard romance about a boy meets girl and they fall in love and that thousands of movies before it have done. But if you're patient, you are rewarded once Sebastian Stan shows up on the screen as this slick, conniving con artist who you really don't know just how dark he's going to be, right? You don't know how where he is on the good to evil scale because, you know, you've got your good thieves and you've got your more disreputable thieves and you don't know where he is on the scale until the credits are all the end. He's he's just really good in this role. He owns every scene he's in. Excellent. John Lithgow, Julianne Moore. I mean, it's hard to think of something they've been in that I haven't enjoyed. How are they? They're fantastic. Um, there's not a bad performance in the bunch. Um, and, you know, ultimately, the the film starts out, it's set in New York City. But as the movie goes on, and it's told in segments, some of them are nonlinear, kind mm-hmm. of like Memento. Um, but each segment shares the title of a character's name from the movie. So Sebastian Stan's character's name is Max. So there's a segment called Max, and it's mainly about his part of the story. So it's it's told a little out of sequence. But, you know, Julianne Moore, of course, her she plays a character named Madeline. She gets her own segment. The, the film just continues to build as it runs, and it's full of so many twists and turns. I just... I kept gasping with each new reveal. My wife was in the bedroom and she was drawing. And whenever time I would gasp, I'd go, what? Wait, isn't she? What? She would go, what? What's happening? What's happening? Well, a gasp. I mean, that's a pretty good twist or turn if it can make you gasp. It, it's a good thriller. Um, it's sharply paced once you get past that initial 10 to 15 minutes. And it's uh, got me excited by the end. I, I didn't know how it was going to end until the credits rolled. And I was, ooh. That was a smart movie. <laughs> mm. Well, you mentioned uh, the nonlinear sort of making you think of Memento. Memento is that uh, great Christopher Nolan movie where you're figuring things out along the way. Is this kind of that way? Like, oh, that now makes more sense now that I've seen this segment? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you'll get backgrounds on, you know, characters or, you know, when they're introduced or like, oh, this person was just playing the game or were they being, you know, actual true self here or was it just part of the con like with each scene that the movie reveals you learn a little more and it's 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 well written where can we see sharper so sharper is in select theaters this week i don't know if any arkansas theaters will get it they might you'll just have to check your local listings and then next friday it's on apple tv plus so if you don't catch it in theaters this weekend you can catch it on Apple TV Plus next weekend and the full review in today's arkansas democrat is that anything else coming out uh this week the big movie opening is magic mike's last dance uh channing tatum you know of course plays a a dancer not really quite for the sapic inclines like myself but 
if you're into that sort of thing, it caps off the trilogy of those movies. And what I what happened in the in the sequel? I mean, this is not a franchise I thought had a trilogy in it. What what's the story? I assume Channing Datum danced, and then in the sequel he continued to dance, <laughs> okay. and then in this final movie he will dance his last dance. One last job. One last job. He's just a few days from retirement, Kyle. <laughs> right. Uh, what will we talk about next week? Next week, Kyle, will be exciting because we get to talk about my favorite Avenger, Ant-Man. Ah, interesting. Um, Ant-Man 3, Quantumania is going to be out. Quantumania. And, and so, you know, oh, go ahead. I was, you know, everybody's got their favorite Avenger. You know, people like Cap, or they like Black Widow, or they like Thor, or Iron Man, and and I just I've always liked Ant Man. Dude's just a just a dad trying to do right by his daughter and make up for past mistakes. Just a just a good guy. All right, I cannot. You know where I land when it comes to movies with Marvel superheroes. I can't wait to talk to you about it. It'll be exciting. All right, that's next week. You can see the full review of Sharper in today's Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Courtney Lanning, thank you so much. Psychologist Andrew Solomon writes about depression, non-traditional families, and other topics that are still taboo. I can talk very openly about things that other people still have to keep under wraps and keep secret. An hour with best-selling author Andrew Solomon. That's next time on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. The TED Radio Hour, Sunday afternoon at 1 on 91.3 KUAF. I'm Kyle Kellams. I'm Matthew Moore. Matthew, last night, live recording of the Undisciplined Podcast. Yeah, it went really, really well. We had a really insightful panel um, a really engaged audience. We had standing room only in the uh, the outreach center, and uh, yeah, it was one of those where everyone, you know, we talked for an hour and a half, almost an hour forty, wow. and you could tell that everyone was just like, "Are you sure you don't want to talk more about this?" It was a really, really wonderful conversation, and a lot of people left saying, "Okay, when's the next one? Ready to go." Well, there is a next one. There is a next one. Yes, uh, we're we're still working out some of the details, but February twenty first, we'll have a conversation about food insecurity hmm. in Northwest Arkansas. It's going to be another really insightful panel. This conversation was about black erasure in Northwest Arkansas, talking about the history of black communities, specifically in Fayetteville. We were right off of South Willow, um, which was historically a very black community that had been kind of in and out of the mind of folks in Fayetteville about whether black people could live here, should live here, whether it was a blighted community, what that meant, what sort of historical impact was happening there. So a really, really wonderful conversation. Now, Northwest Arkansas is a place where every night of the week there's a lot going on. I had another engagement. I know a lot of other people probably did. Is there a way we will be able to hear the entire conversation? Absolutely. Well, the beautiful part about the live podcast recording is we recorded the conversation. You'll get to hear that on Wednesday of next week. We'll have a version of that up in the podcast feed. We'll have an excerpt on our show, too. Absolutely. Yep. So make sure to subscribe to Undisciplined wherever you get your podcasts. Jazz reflects the fundamental nature of the American spirit, recognizing the importance of the individual while connecting that to the idea of cooperation. In the words of Herbie Hancock, the spirit of jazz is the spirit of openness.
I'm Robert Ginsberg, and for 41 years I've been your host for Shades of Jazz here on KUAF. My gratitude goes out to you and to KUAF's commitment to presenting America's unique musical art form. Whether it's a historic recording or a brand new release, the music you connect with, the artists you relate to, will be here on KUAF. Shades of Jazz, Jazz Scoop, and our jazz station KUAF3. Help us to continue to make even more connections with your gift of support today. Go to supportkuaf.com. And you can hear Robert Ginsburg host Shades of Jazz tonight, beginning at 10 on 91.3 KUAF, then an encore broadcast tomorrow from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. on KUAF 3. Listen to KUAF 3 free on your digital radio. That's either in your car or at home. Also, by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF 3, or you can just hit the KUAF 3 stream that you find at KUAF.com. This is 91.3 KUAF. Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Walnut. Goes well with sugar, doesn't it? Yeah, see, all week. <laughs> all week. Uh, Matthew produced today's show in the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. Contributors today included Pete Hartman, Michael Tilly, Becca Martin-Brown, and Courtney Lanning. And uh, we will be with you, uh, well, I will be with you Sunday morning at 9 for Weekend Ozarks at Large. We plan to be back here Monday at noon and 7 to start a brand new uh week of new daily editions of Ozarks at Large. That's right. And uh, Kyle, you got anything Anything you're excited about this weekend other than weekend Ozarks <laughs> at Large on Sunday morning? Well, let's see. Sunday evening, um, yes. as The Puppy uh, Bowl. Yeah, exactly. I, well, in a way, dogs play into this because uh-huh. I'm a super... I can be a superstitious sports fan. Yeah. I'm a huge Kansas City sports fan. Yes. Royals, football. So if my dog is on the red blanket during the game, yep. Kansas City tends to win. Well, there you this go. This is science. Yeah. This is, I have, there's, there's no refuting this. No. So, uh, yes, I will be uh, with a few hardcore Kansas City football fans, and we will be watching the big game Sunday evening. Stay tuned for the tone of Monday's show <laughs> very soon. Right. Uh, hey, thanks for being with us. Have a great weekend. I'm Kyle Kellums. I'm Matthew Moore.